If you have your Bibles tonight, and you would, find Matthew, the 25th chapter, as we're going verse by verse through this book. And we have been looking at a series called Be Ready. And we are on our fourth week as we've went through the 24th and 25th chapters of Matthew. And tonight I want to just be very clear that um, when Jesus was giving uh, these teachings, he was giving them to the people who were following him the closest, the disciples, those who had an outward relationship with him. Uh, Last week we looked at the parable of the five foolish and the five wise virgin who were waiting for the groom. And we looked about how that those five that were wise were truly born-again believers in Jesus. And the other five were those who looked like they were saved, talked like they were saved, and had convinced everybody they were saved, but they were not. And we've seen the dangers of waiting if you're not truly ready. I don't know if you've ever uh, experienced this, but if you are married, and I will not say which gender this is directed to, or vice versa... But you have probably been ready. You are sitting there ready to go. And you ask the person that you were married to, are you ready? Yep, I'm ready. We're ready to go. You get up, you put your shoes on, you get to the front door, and you begin to open the door, and you say, are you coming? Hold on. I got to put on makeup. I got to comb my hair. I got to do this. And by the time you wait, you have ended up sitting down because someone truly wasn't ready. Now, that can go both ways. I'm in no way trying to talk about the female gender. I love the female gender. Glad I'm married to one. Amen? And uh, so, uh, but this idea of thinking we're ready, but not. But tonight we are looking at working while we wait. What does God want His people to do while we wait for Him to come? You see, there is a great problem in the world that we live in, and it's called selfishness. All of us can be selfish. You say, not me, Jake. I'm a devoted spouse. I'm a devoted parent. I'm a devoted grandparent. Uh, You know, my life is all about living for other people. Well, sometimes you can live for other people because you like the way it makes you feel. And that sometimes can mean that you have turned into someone who's making it about yourself. But the Lord expects us to be faithful until He comes. And this passage of Scripture tonight, as we look at the parable of the talents, is not about your ability to jump or run or to do amazing things with your natural body, but it's about stewardship. And it's not about financial stewardship, even though this is a weight that would have been used to weigh out money. It is about opportunities that God has given you and that God has given me. And what are you doing with the spiritual opportunities that God has given you? And what are you doing with the talents that God has given you to meet those opportunities? I hear it from Christians all the time. Well, Jake, I don't have any spiritual talents. I don't have any spiritual gifts. I'm I'm just a chair sitter. And then other people will tell me, Jake, we're just looking for a big church so we we can just fill in and we can just sit and just enjoy it for a while. Today I want you to know that both of those are not only unbiblical statements, they are sinful statements. Because one, God said that every believer has at least one spiritual gift. Every believer, if you were truly born again, has a spiritual gift to be used. 
And two, if God has given you a spiritual gift for you to sit and soak, is not to use the gift and opportunity that God has given you. Today, the Bible talks about over and over again. Today is the day of salvation. Today, harden not your heart. Today, 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 because tomorrow is not promised. You say, well, Jake, I'm busy with work. I'm busy with my kids. I'm busy with all of this stuff. But yet, don't miss the opportunity to realize something. God has given you a gift and an opportunity not to be shelved, not to be wasted, but to be used. Adrian Rogers always said that spiritual gifts are not spiritual toys. They are tools. Toys kids pick up and use for a while and lay down. They play with them until they get bored. But tools are something you will use the rest of your life. They are something that make a difference for the rest of your life. And so I want to read a few verses from Hebrews, the third chapter tonight, stressing the importance of today. And so if you would stand with me out of reverence to the reading of God's Word, if you are able, we're going to be in Hebrews, the third chapter, verses 7 through 15. Hebrews chapter 3 I better find it in my own Bible, verses 7 through 15. And if you have a heading in your Bible, which it's not inspired, it was just written by the authors uh, that were copying the Bible, mine says, be faithful. Therefore, as the Holy Spirit says, today, if you will hear His voice, do not harden your hearts as in the rebellion. In the day of trial in the wilderness, where your fathers tested me, tried me, and saw my works forty years. Therefore I was angry with that generation, and said, They always go astray in their heart, and they have not known my ways. So I swore in my wrath, they shall not enter my rest. Beware, brethren, lest there be in any of you, he's talking now to this church and to us, an evil heart of unbelief in departing from the living God. But exhort one another daily while it is called today, lest any of you be hardened through the deceitfulness of sin. For we have become partakers of Christ if we hold the beginning of our confidence steadfast to the end while it is said, Today, if you will hear His voice, do not harden your hearts as in the rebellion. Pray with me. Father, tonight we come, Lord, asking that you would help us to be faithful. Faithful as a church, faithful as individuals. God, faithful to your calling for our lives. God, you have made each and every one of us unique, given us different gifts. God, tonight we just pray that you would give us the opportunities to use those for your glory. And Lord, I just ask that you would forgive me for any sin in my heart or life that I have not confessed to you. And Lord, I just ask it all in Jesus' name. Amen. And so you listen to this passage of Scripture and we think about its significance and we think about, well, he's talking about heathens. He's talking about people that are rebellious. But did you know that Paul is talking about exhorting each other? He is speaking to a church or whoever wrote Hebrews, whether it's Paul or Luke or whoever you believe it is, whether it matters or not, it does not. But he writes this letter to a church, a group of people who are calling themselves believers, warning them that hard-heartedness can grow out of those who call themselves believers. 
Tonight I want to challenge you. You are the Sunday night crew. You are the cream of the crop. You are the, you are the upper uh, the category of those who call Jesus Lord. But tonight I want you to know that I believe stubbornness and bitterness and difficulty can happen in a crowd like this the most. Christmas and Easter people, they don't care. They don't get stubborn or hard-hearted about the things of God. They just don't care. But when you've dedicated your life to the Lord, when you've dedicated your life to a church, when you've given your life to a ministry, when you've sat on pews or chairs years after years and given and served, it is in those moments that sometimes the hardness of the heart begins to set in. Why would you say that? Because you've heard the sermons. You've sang the, you've sang the songs. You've sat through the business meetings. You've sat through the committee meetings. You've watched people hurt you. You've watched people fail. You've watched people come in and out of the church over the years. You've watched people come in like a tornado and celebrated by the church and then for them to leave with the same speed as they came. And so tonight I want to challenge this group knowing that it's not popular, that it's not pleasant, to be very careful that a hardness of heart doesn't set here on these pews in this pulpit. You say, Jake, how can you speak that? And I can speak that with experience because I can grow very hard in my heart toward the things of God, to people claiming to be God. I can promise you that I have ideas that people will bring to me. Jake, I'd love to see us do this as a church. Jake, I'd love to see us do that. And all that goes through my mind is what you're really saying is you want me to do that. You want someone else to do the work. And that's not to be our heart. We should recognize something that this passage of Scripture is about wasted opportunities, missed chances to serve God for His glory. And so tonight, if you would, as we go through this passage of Scripture, we'll just let this Word of God speak. First thing I want to show you tonight is that God has given each of us spiritual gifts and opportunities. God has given each of us spiritual gifts and opportunities. For the kingdom of heaven is like a man traveling to a far country who called his own servants and delivered his goods to them. And to one he gave five talents, to another two, and to another one, to each according to his own ability, and immediately he went on a journey. Now this is important tonight because sometimes people get offended by this. Why did one person only get one? Why did one person only get two? Why did one only get five? Well, when you look at the opportunities, each of us are going to have different opportunities to serve God. Not that they're less valuable, not that they are less important, but I am probably going to get to share the gospel with more people uh, than someone else. Or you might be able to share the gospel more than I will at work. That is just the way it is. All of us are given different levels of responsibility. Not because one task is more important than the other, but it's just what God has given to us. It's given to us each according to His purpose and His plan, but also our ability. And you say, what do you mean by ability? It means opportunity. Where is God going to be able to use me? Where is God going to be able to send me that I can use His gifts and His abilities every day? 
Think about this. In a small town like uh, McLeansboro, we have 3,000 people, except for the fall festival, then we have 9,000 people. But in a county like ours of 8,700 people, we're going to minister to as many people as we can. But if you think about a city like St. Louis that has uh, in the metro east area over a million people, if you think about Chicago land and all of the area around it with 7 million people, there's a bigger opportunity to reach more people there than here. It doesn't mean that their mission is more important than ours or that God values them more than us. It is just the size of the opportunity that God is giving the ministry opportunities. And tonight I want you to see this because most of us, if we're honest, get to a point in our life where we feel like we can coast. I've served God long enough. I've honored God long enough. I've taken advantage of the opportunities that God has given me. But what we see from this passage of Scripture is that we are to be faithful to the end. If God has given you a gift or an ability to serve Him and given you the opportunities to use it, what He is asking for you is not to multiply the results on your own, but to be faithful with what you are given. If God has given you the ability to sing, you ought to sing for the Lord's glory. If God gives you opportunities to witness to people as you are going about your day, to be faithful means you must witness in those opportunities. For me as a pastor, preaching the Word of God is the opportunity that God has given me to be faithful. And so every Sunday, every Sunday night, on Wednesday nights, that matters. And every opportunity I get to do my nightly devotion on Monday nights, Tuesday night, Wednesday night, Thursday night, Friday night, are opportunities that God has given me. And at the end of my life, my desire is to be able to say, God, you have given me this much, and I am giving it back. God, I have been faithful in the opportunities. It doesn't matter how many people I lead to Christ. It doesn't matter how many times you tell me I preached a good sermon, which is not very many, but uh, it's not, that's not what matters. It matters when God has given me an opportunity, when God has given me a chance to use the gifts that He has given me, will I do it? Will I say yes when God says go? Will I say here I am, Lord, when He says who will I send? And all of us can look back in our life and say, I know God wanted this from me. I wish I would have done that. I wish I would have stepped out here. I wish I would have been faithful here. But most of us, if we're honest, are probably looking at our life thinking we've missed opportunities. We've not taken advantage of what God has given us. In 1 Corinthians, the 12th chapter, starting in verse 27, the Bible says these words. Now you are the body of Christ and members individually. And God has appointed these in the church. First, apostles, which it's just messengers. We're not talking about the office of apostle, that he has appointed messengers to take the good news of Jesus. Second, prophets. Third, teachers. After that, miracles. Then gifts of healing, helps, administration, variety of tongues, are all apostles, are all prophets, are all teachers, are all workers of miracles, do all have gifts of healing, do all speak with tongues, do all interpret. Now don't miss this. He's given us all these gifts, all these uh, different ministries. And then in verse 31 he says, but earnestly desire the best gifts. And yet I show you a more excellent way. And some people have taken this to say if you have one gift, you ought to not be happy with that one gift and want another gift. 
But what it really means here is you should be desiring to do more for God today than you did yesterday. You ought to be asking God, Lord, give me what I need today to fulfill the purpose and plan that you have for my life today more than you did yesterday. God, if I need to walk into a hospital and pray for a sick person to be healed, God, I pray that today you would give me that anointing, if you'd give me that favor, and today, God, that that would be what I need. It might be that you need to be an administrator. Administration is something I am not gifted in. In seminary, I had all A's and one C. And if you know anything about how I pastor, you can guess what the class was. Administration. If I knew I would have had to supervise employees and oversee employees and, and do uh, performance reviews, I'd have said, I'm going to a church with 12 people. Not that our employees are bad, but it is no fun. It's no fun dealing with those kind of things. But yet, it says right here, the overseeing, the administration is a gift. So there are some days when I pray, God, you're going to have to give me this today because I don't have it. I'm not good at it. God, I need you today more than I needed you yesterday. What I'm facing today is different than what I faced it yesterday. And God, I want more of it, not less of it. God, I want to do more for your glory today than I did yesterday. God, I got the opportunity to share the gospel one time yesterday. I want the opportunity to share it twice today. But is that how you're viewing your walk with God? Or do you lay your head on the pillow every night and say, Lord, I'm just such a failure. Forgive me. God, I, I, I just barely made it through today by the... Uh, just, just barely made it. Are you living in victory knowing that God has given you what you need? Has called you to do what you do? I find myself a lot here in the last few months saying, you know what? I think I could live in a cabin all by myself with the seven women in my life. I'd need a Dollar General close by because we couldn't make it without one. But them seven women and a Dollar General, that would be life. And God has to remind me, what's wrong with you? That's not what I've called you to do. That's not who I've called you to be. But I can get in that mindset where, God, I don't want anything. I don't need anything. I just want some time away from all of the stuff. And God has to remind me, Jake, that's not why I saved you. That's not why I called you. That's not why I equipped you. I equipped you to do the work that I have for you, the tasks that I have, the things that I want. And so this morning, I really want to remind you tonight that every morning when you wake up, it should be, God, give me the opportunities, give me the gifts and the abilities that I need to accomplish your purpose. You say, Jake, I just stay home all day. Maybe you need the gifts and mercy and grace to put up with your spouse better than you did yesterday. Maybe you need to learn how to love your prodigal children or grandchildren. Maybe you need to learn how to witness to your mailman. Maybe you need to learn how to pray and to minister to the people that God sends into your path. Second thing I want to show you tonight from this passage of Scripture is God has given each of us spiritual gifts and opportunities, but God will evaluate how we use our spiritual gifts and opportunities. Now I'm going to say this tonight, and it's not meant to be cruel, it's not meant to be evil, but we have dumbed down what church means so much that we are happy if someone just shows up once every few months for one service and sits here, and we think we've accomplished something. 
When I first started pastoring, I could tell you every Sunday that you've ever missed. Used to take attendance, used to run around, you know, wow, it just it ate me up. If somebody wasn't here, we'd beg them to come to church, we'd plead with them to come to church. I mean, it was literally everything. And finally, God had to say, Jake, if people don't want to worship me, you bother them, isn't going to help. Now, I want to be there if somebody's sick or somebody's not able to be here. But friends, we have to quit celebrating the fact that a generation of people don't love God, only want to fit Him in when it's convenient, and want to be celebrated for giving God a Sunday a month, a Sunday every few months. I read an article this morning while I was praying before I came out to preach from churchleaders.com. It's one of the leading church uh, organizations in America, and it was an article written about how we had to celebrate the fact that people don't want to love God, but want community and want to be in a part of a church. And we should make an effort to make everyone comfortable, even if they don't love God. And I'm here to tell you today that that is not God's plan for His church. God's plan for His church is to tell people, repent, give your life to Him. And once you give your life to Him, you are to use it to serve Him. Every breath you have, every ability you have, every day that God gives you, it is to be used for His glory and to serve Him. I know that goes over well because all of us struggle with that. But yet that's the goal. Look what it says here in verse 16. Then he who received the five talents went and traded with them, made another five talents. And likewise, he who had received two gained two more also. But he who received one went and dug in the ground and hid his Lord's money. After a long time, the Lord of those servants came and settled accounts with them. So he who received five talents came and brought five other talents, saying, Lord, you delivered to me five talents. Look, I have gained five talents beside them. His Lord said to him, Well done, good and faithful servant. You were faithful over a few things. I will make you ruler over many things. Enter into the joy of your Lord. He also, who had received two talents, came and said, Lord, you delivered to me two talents. Look, I have gained two more talents beside them. His Lord said to him, Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a few things. I will make you ruler over many things. Enter into the joy of your Lord. Now there's a whole lot of things that are taught about this passage of Scripture everywhere from you shouldn't put church money in a bank to, to if you don't make a double the, the rewards that God has given you. That, that, that means none of that. What he is teaching here is they used the opportunity that God gave them, and when they gave it back to him, they had done something for the Lord. And so tonight, I want to really challenge you with that because if you base your spiritual growth and your spiritual walk on the Lord with the results that you see, you will give up quickly. Because, friends, most of the people you share the gospel with will not believe. Most of the sermons that I preach, you can watch people walk out the door that they were just here. They were just here. Many times you will pray for people. You will witness to people. You will go out of your way to people. You will be kind to people and they will refuse. And friends, if you do it for the results, you will be discouraged. But tonight, if you will look at it as every opportunity that I say yes to, 
everything that God has called me to do that I say yes to is a success. Everything that I am obedient to do that God has asked me to do, I am returning those talents to Him. I am returning it back, not as the results that was won, but the obedience that was given. You see, we don't know what these men did with their money or with their talents. We don't know if they bought land. We don't know if they bought something at $1 and sold it for $2. All we know is they were faithful with the opportunity that God gave them. Tonight, some of you have been given spiritual gifts, and I can't even list them all tonight, but you refuse to use them. Sometimes we see people who want to use their spiritual gifts, but their obedience to God in their lifestyle hinders them from using it. So tonight, whether you just don't want to use your spiritual gifts or you have lived a life that does not allow you to use your spiritual gifts, tonight the Lord says is you're wasting the opportunity, but you don't have to. Think about all of the times that Jesus healed, that Jesus worked, that Jesus moved. When He fed the thousands with just a few loaves of bread and fish. When He healed the sick. When He gave sight to the blind. When He delivered the demon-possessed. When the woman with the flow of blood touched him, all of those opportunities that the Father had sent him on, he was obedient. And tonight I want to challenge this church, this group of people, the backbone of Ten Mile, to realize something. If you really want God to use this place, if you really want God to reach Hamilton County, if you really want God to make a difference where we live, it's probably going to take you and I being obedient. Wow, that went over well. We, we can't ask a church of 12 people who can't even get along, who can't even do anything to be the ones that are being obedient. The church of six people that are just praying that God keeps the doors open. The church of 17, the church of 13. God can use them. But if you want to know the truth, it's probably a two-talent situation. They're going to make a difference for the kingdom of God, but there's only so much. But God has been good to this place. God has given us everything we need. We had a Sunday school meeting today with all of our Sunday school teachers, a wonderful slate of godly people. We looked up here this morning and there was a choir full of people singing. God has blessed us financially. God has blessed us with new families. God has blessed us with people being healed. God has blessed us with people being saved. There is nothing that this church could look and say, God, we need. He's given us everything question is, what will we do with it? Will we bury it in the sand? Will we use it to make a little difference? Or will we use the talents that God has given you and I to be a part of changing Hamilton County, to pushing back darkness in homes and lives and marriages? 2 Peter chapter 1 describes it like this in verses 5 through 11. But also for this very reason... Giving all diligence, add to your faith, virtue. To virtue, knowledge. To knowledge, self-control. To self-control, perseverance. To perseverance, godliness. To godliness, brotherly kindness. And to brotherly kindness, love. For if these things are yours and abound, don't miss this, you will be neither barren, nor unfruitful in the knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. If you want to be fruitful, follow Him. If you want to be fruitful, allow God to do these things in your life. 
to give you these attributes, to give you these qualities that only He can give. For he who lacks these things is short-sighted even to blindness and has forgotten that he was cleansed from his old sins. Therefore, brethren, be even more diligent to make your call and election sure. For if you do these things, you will never stumble. For so an entrance will be supplied to you abundantly into the everlasting kingdom of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. He is telling them, don't be following Jesus less today than you were yesterday. I should be working harder to follow God today more than I was yesterday. I ought to want to spend more time with God and His Word today than I did yesterday. There is never a point in my life where I should get to a place and say, I've read the Bible 72 times. I've taught every class we could teach. I've went through every training we've went through. I've went through every mission trip we've ever been on. And you know what? I think it's just time to coast. He says, be ever more diligent. I ought to be making sure that my salvation is real more today than I did yesterday. You say, Jake, you can't earn your salvation. You can't work your salvation. You can't do that. You're absolutely right. But I ought to be making sure there is more fruit in my life today than there was yesterday. I didn't say spiritual nuts. I said fruit. I ought to be making sure there is more love, more joy, more peace, more forgiveness, all of the attributes of the Spirit. There ought to be more today than there was yesterday. There's never a time when Jacob Gray can say, you know what, I, just, I think I'm as long-suffering as I'm going to be. I think I got as much joy as I want. I, I think I finally arrived. Peter says, no, be more diligent today than you were yesterday. Be more committed today than you were yesterday. Third and final thing tonight. And I wish I could tell you it's going to get more positive, but it's not, so I apologize ahead of time. God will hold us accountable if we are not faithful. God will hold us accountable if we are not faithful. had a conversation this last week with a friend of mine, and I was talking just about pastoring and the struggle of pastoring and just all the ups and downs. And, and uh, I said, sometimes I think I'd like to work full-time and preach for free so I could tell them what I really think. And uh, my friend said, I don't know if that's possible to tell someone more of what you think than you already do. And I said, well said, probably not. But what I can tell you is this, God puts a calling on your life. Sometimes he has you serving different places, different areas, different ways. But God's calling on your life never goes away. You say, well, Jake, I just, uh, I'm just not where I used to be. Then come back. You say, Jake, I'm not spiritually where I used to be. I'm just not, I'm not there. Then come back. Repent today and come back to a place where God can use you. You say, well, Jake, I've just been so wandering so long, I don't think that he can. He can. Today, if what's going on in your life is keeping you from serving God today, just come home. Repent and come home. Look what it says in Matthew chapter 25, starting in verse 24. Then he who had received the one talent came and said, Lord, I knew you to be a hard man, reaping where you have not sown and gathering where you have not scattered seed. And I was afraid... And went and hid your talent in the ground. Look, there you have what is yours. 
But his Lord answered and said to him, You wicked and lazy servant, you knew what I reap where I have not sown and gathered where I have not scattered seed. So you ought to have deposited my money with the bankers and at my coming I would have received back my own with interest. So take the talent from him and give it to him who has ten talents. For to everyone who has, more will be given. And he will have an abundance. But from him who does not have, even what he has will be taken away. The cast, the un, they, and cast the unprofitable servant into utter darkness. There will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Now some people will say that this is a Christian that is not faithful. I disagree. I believe that the Bible is teaching us here that if there is no return on God's investment, there was no investment. Every believer will produce some spiritual fruit, even if it is just a little bit. What we see here in this passage of Scripture is a person who wanted the rewards, wanted the treasure, but wouldn't do anything with it. And this is what breaks my heart the most. I do not believe you can be a born-again believer of Jesus Christ and not care about the things of God. I think you might go through seasons of up and down in your walk with God. I think you might go through seasons where you could be addicted, you could be a mess, you could be living in sin, but there is not a time in my reading of Scripture where you can totally not care about the things of God at all. And that's what he says here. He says, you wicked and lazy servant. Can you imagine if that's how we reached out to wayward members? You wicked and lazy servant, we'd love to have you back at church. That'd go over well. But that's exactly what Jesus does here. He's talking about himself in this passage of Scripture. Going to heaven, being gone, entrusting the kingdom of God and its advancement and its service, not to our abilities, but to the opportunities that God gives us. And one day he's coming back. And He's going to hold us accountable. He's going to hold me accountable. He's going to hold you accountable. And what we see here is that He is going to make it clear that just because someone sat on the pews, just someone filled a slot, just because someone claimed it, doesn't mean they are. You say, well, Jake, that sounds very legalistic. I want to read to you 1 John chapter 3, starting in verse 7. Little children... Let no one deceive you. He who practices righteousness is righteous, just as he is righteous. This doesn't mean perfection, but it means living for the things of God. He who sins is of the devil, for the devil has sinned from the beginning. For this purpose, the Son of God was manifested that he might destroy the works of the devil. Whoever has been born of God does not sin, For his seed remains in him, and he cannot sin, because he has been born of God. Now there are groups of Christians that have taken this verse way out of context and said you can live a perfect life. You can get to a point in your walk with God where you can never sin. But that's not what he's talking about. He's talking about a life of habitual sin. Friends, all Christians will have a thought they shouldn't have. All Christians can go through a season where they're not living the way that they should. 
But what John is saying, that if your life is a constant defiling and rebellion against the things of God, if you live a life that totally disregards the things of God, doesn't care about the things of God, doesn't want the things of God, then friends, you are not of God. And I want to say this tonight is just as simple and as humble as I can. We have to get back to a place where we are willing to say that those who know Jesus will love and live for Him. And those who don't, won't. That means some of us need to have a heart-to-heart conversation with ourselves and the Lord about our own children, our own grandchildren, our own neighbors, our own friends. What I can tell you is I have continued to get more and more funerals, people I don't know, people I've never met, and everyone always starts like this. My loved one is in heaven. Well, why do you think that? They were a Christian. But they didn't live it. They didn't go to church. They didn't talk about it. You know, I've never really even seen them talk about religious things. But I know they're in heaven. And so if you don't care, had this happened in the last month, do you care to come preach and get them there? You know me, I'm just a bundle of joy. But I'm very careful when I preach a funeral. Because I do not know the heart, and neither do you. And so I always preach the same thing at every funeral I ever do. This is what heaven is like. This is what it takes to get there. And if I know you and your testimony, I'm going to share it. And some of you, I even like enough that I'll say nice things about you. Some of you, I'm just going to talk about what heaven is like and what it takes to get there. No, I'm just kidding. I always say three qualities at every funeral, so you're good. But friends, I don't think you realize and I realize how confused people are about what it takes to go to heaven and how perfect and holy and righteous God is. Did you notice this servant with the one talent begin to blame the landowner? He said, you're so cruel. He said, you take and you you don't plan and you don't work. You just take. Friends, how easy is that for us to do to God? How dare you say what I've done is wrong? How dare, God, your word say that my lifestyle is sin? God, how dare that you would allow me to go through this? It's a typical hard-hearted response to who God is. And tonight I want to just say this to you. If you are there, if your continual life is rebellion and blaming God, come home. Come back to Him. Because your bitterness, your anger, your blaming will only get worse. What seems like a small thing today in your relationship with God will continue to grow. And it's the same way in a marriage. You know, leaving the toilet seat up is not a big deal when you're first married. But when your seven-month pregnant wife falls into the toilet, it's a big deal. That didn't happen at our house that I'm aware of. But someone else told me that. When you're babysitting for your friend's kids and they're about three and five and they're supposed to have the little training seat on and you forget and you hear from the bathroom, Jacob in the toilet and it's all your fault. It's a big deal. 
And friends, the little things in our walk with the Lord, the little that did happen, by the way. <laughs> and the little things that happen in our marriages and our relationship with other people, they only grow. They only spread. They only bother us more. And so tonight, if you're unhappy with the Lord, if you're not where you need to be tonight, I want you to come and get along with Him and say, God, thank you for the opportunities that you've given me. God, thank you for saving me. Thank you for loving me. God, help me to look for those opportunities to serve you every day more than I did yesterday. And I believe that this church will do that. God will give us more and more opportunities. You say, Jake, that sounds very conceited. That sounds very wrong. I just want to remind you of what it said right there in verse 29. For everyone who has... What? More will be given. I believe the only thing that will limit what God is going to do in this church is sitting right here and standing right here. When we tell God we don't want more opportunities. God, we don't want to fund more missionaries. God, we don't want to have to build more rooms. God, we don't want to have to raise more money. God, when we don't want to have to do and go and serve... I believe God says, fine, you can bury your talent and I'll move on to someone else. And so tonight I pray that's never what is said about this place and God's people. Father, tonight I thank you so much for your word, not mine. Lord, I just pray that I have explained it, Lord, uh, honestly and truthfully. Lord, I pray tonight that your spirit would take your words and work in this group of people. Father, I thank you for this group of people. Lord, I love this group of people. Lord, I thank you for the privilege of knowing some of them my whole life. Lord, some of them over the last 11 years as their pastor. But God, never allow me to love them so much that I will not tell them the truth. And God, I believe you have big plans for this place and for these people. God, I believe you will use them for your glory if they will just be willing. Tonight, Lord, I pray that you would put a burden on each and every one of our hearts, God, to step out in faith. Lord, not with where we're at, but where we're going. What you want from us next. Father, I pray for that person that's in this room tonight, Lord, that's not saved, but doesn't understand this, God, that right now your Holy Spirit would begin to convict them and show them that they need a relationship with you and that you're willing to save them. But most importantly, Father, I pray for this congregation, your people, that tonight would be the night that we would fully and totally and completely follow you, no matter the cost, all for your glory. And Lord, I just ask it all in the precious name of Jesus. Amen.